As most of you probably know by now, we are in the middle of our 30-day discipleship challenge. If you haven't picked up one of these brochures yet, we encourage you to grab one uh, from the table as you exit the church today, and it's also available online. Uh, Last week, Pastor Milton talked about getting plugged in, about living life in Christ and um, tending our relationship with Jesus through our time and gathered in worship, but also through our prayer and devotion and study that we do on our own time at home during the week. And so it is that today we come to talk about what happens when we get so filled up with God that that love overflows and we love God by serving others. So let us now stand for today's scripture reading, which is from the book of James. Reading from the second chapter, verse 8 and 14 through 17. You do well if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but do not have works? Can faith save you? If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food, And one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, and eat your fill, and yet you do not supply their bodily needs. What is the good of that? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. As some of you may or may not know, in my former life before becoming a pastor, I was a middle school music teacher. And while I was still in college in my music ed courses uh, one day, our professor played a song for us titled Don't Laugh at Me by Mark Wills. I have to say, it was one of those songs that musically necessarily doesn't stand out, but the lyrics were ones that sort of pierced me through my core that day as we listened in class. In particular, I was struck by the line of the text, which is sung from the perspective of a homeless man, who says this, Don't think I don't notice, our eyes never meet. Ouch. I don't know about you, but I am guilty of sometimes looking the other way when there's someone on the street asking for food or looking for a handout outside of Walmart. And so, yes, I was pierced with some shame and guilt that day and had to do some serious reflection about who I was called to be and what I was called to do and whether I was really living out the faith that I professed. You see, there is sometimes in our human condition this gap between our faith and our works between what we say that we believe and value and the way that we actually live our lives on a daily basis. Serving others is not natural. It doesn't come as a first instinct. Human nature, animal nature, is that we um, take care of ourselves first. Except for in those cases with those people that we love and who mean most to us, it's pretty easy to sort of let it fall to the side. I think James in our text today is making that same point that Jesus tried to make in that famous parable of the Good Samaritan. Remember, it was the priest and the Levite, the two people who were the men of faith, who had the religious values and the moral teaching to know what to do, who walked by and passed on besides the man in need. 
I also think it's the same heart that is in mind when Jesus challenges the Pharisees and the legal experts about their failure to heal people on the Sabbath. It's not about the legalism of keeping the Sabbath. It's about the Sabbath representing the kingdom of God and entering into that life where people who know and love are brought into God's love and life experience healing and wholeness and care and compassion and their needs are met and justice is brought about. Jesus says again and again that a life lived with God is a life of compassion. The Latin root of that is come passio, come with passio to suffer. To have compassion is to be with someone in their time of suffering and need. We as Christians are called to offer healing care and to act for justice for others. And that's the same claim that James was making to his community, that same claim that Jesus made to the disciples is the same claim that Jesus is now making to his community. James is a pastor, a mentor, writing to a Christian congregation with a little bit of concern, I think, that they might be falling away from Jesus' teaching and wandering from their call to discipleship as they get caught up in the ways of the world. In the passage of Scripture just before our reading for today, James is actually exhorting them because they have failed to welcome the poor people among their midst in the same way that they have honored and respected the rich people who have come in to worship and be a part of their lives. And so James says these kind of harsh words. Do you think your faith will save you? Or as the message translation says, does having the right words really mean you have faith? James goes on and he says, what if there is someone who is homeless, and hungry and naked. And you walk by and the Christian response is, you're in our thoughts and prayers, and you do nothing to help them. James says, show me your works. He's talking about the actions of faith and the way our lives show our love for God and for others through all that we do because we are plugged into God's love for us passage continues, I by my works will show you my faith, because faith and works go hand in hand. Oscar Hammerstein II, that great musical composer of the 20th century, said this, a bell is not a bell until you ring it. A song is not a song until you sing it. And love in your heart wasn't put there to stay. Love isn't love until you give it away. See, John Wesley understood this, and he valued that very much. John Wesley took seriously God's command, the royal law, to love God and neighbor as ourselves. And those words in Matthew's Gospel, when Jesus says, as you did unto the least of these, so you did unto me. John Wesley believed this so much that when he looked out at the Christians around him, so many of them were trusting in faith alone, which is what gets us salvation. It is God's grace. We don't, nothing we do, none of our actions, despite how good we might be and how much we might serve others, is not what earns God's love and grace in our lives. But, as James said, and as John Wesley understood, we can't just say, hey, I got faith. I've been baptized. I'm a Christian. I'm good. Don't have to do anything else. It's all done. Journey's over. No, John Wesley understood that discipleship is a journey. 
a disciple of learning to be free of our sins and our temptations and our failures and of growing in image and likeness of Jesus Christ. And he says you have to put your faith into action in ways that are visible and tangible into the world. And so he created these Methodist societies to encourage faithful living so that people would be able to make it a habit and a part of their day of way, daily life to clothe the naked and to feed the hungry and care for the sick and visit for those in prison. The Methodist Church has a long history of social justice and action. We were among the first religious organizations to start schools and hospitals to care for others. We were active in the temperance movement and prohibition. Have you ever heard of the phrase teetotalers? That was formed inside a Methodist church of people who committed to giving up alcohol. We were in the front lines of the social justice movements of the 20th century. So it may come then as no surprise when you understand that James was probably one of John Wesley's most favorite books in the New Testament. This importance of taking care of others and serving was so much a part of John Wesley's life, he had this very famous quote. To do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. Do good at every opportunity. You see, he says these works of mercy, these acts of compassion and kindness and justice and love towards others and serving others is a means of grace. In naming it that, John Wesley says that serving others is as equal in importance to prayer, to studying the scriptures, to fasting and participating in the sacraments of baptism and communion. As a means of grace, it is a way that we come to know God's love for us. And it's a means by which God works in us to heal and transform us and to bless us. So when we go and we serve others, we not only share God's blessings with them, letting them flow through us to the others, and we change lives and change our world, but God is changing our life in the middle. How many of you have had that wonderful experience of going to do something nice to serve someone or help them? And you too kind of come away feeling a little different and a little more encouraged and a little more aware of God's love and grace in your life. And so in that same way that John Wesley challenged his fellow Christians, we are challenging you with our 30-day discipleship challenge. Of course, discipleship is a lifelong journey of always growing and changing, but we hope this 30-day challenge will help jumpstart your life of faith and help you to grow and take your next steps in these next 30 days. As you look over this brochure, we invite you to prayerfully look at the list and put a little check mark by all the things that you are already doing to live a life of discipleship and following Jesus. And then we ask you to prayerfully consider and discern how God might be asking you to take your next step to grow in discipleship, grow in likeness to Christ, to grow in your love for God, and grow in your love for others. What will that next step be? And as you're considering and reflecting on discipleship and the call to serve others, you may be wondering, well, how do I get started? You know, because that's really kind of awkward and uncomfortable, and I'm an introvert, and I really don't like to talk to strangers. Well, let me tell you something. 
you are in the right place. Sun Creek United Methodist Church has a long tradition of valuing mission and serving others. There are many people in your midst sitting next to you on the pews this morning who have big hearts, who love to help others, and who inspire us and set an example. Among them, I see, look over here today, and I think of Olga Benford. She started a brand new ministry, New Hope Ministries, to provide homes and furnishings for women who are recovering from situations of abuse. And this month, they will mark their 400th family served. There are lots of opportunities here at Sun Creek to get involved with church-sponsored events and organizations. And let me tell you, going with others is the best way to get started. First of all, built-in accountability for your commitment. You sign up to go, someone's going to ask, and they're going to check, and they're going to expect you to be there, so you can't bail out last minute when you get afraid. Second of all, it's just more fun, isn't it, when you do something with other people than going by yourself? You've got people to show you what to do. If you're not sure how to help, they'll, they'll get you involved, and they'll teach you what to do, and you can serve alongside them. And last but not least, it's a wonderful opportunity to grow in our Christian community with each other as we serve together. As Mike McLoon once said, I was visiting with him this week, and I was rather surprised because he's got such a servant heart, and he's been on many mission trips, and he said, you know what, I wasn't always this way. He said, the first time I had an opportunity to go on a mission trip with my other church, he said, I pretty much dug my fingers into the wall and was drug kicking and screaming that he didn't want to go. But that first step and that first trip really changed his life. And now Mike says he goes on just about every trip that he can. He says the call of service and mission can sometimes be challenging. When I go to Juarez to work with Proyecto Abrigo is an example. The accommodations are rustic, to say the least. The food is not gourmet. It meets basic needs. The work can be hot or cold, and it's always dusty and dirty, and your muscles will be sore. All this is true. But I gain something special every time, he says. And he lit up with so much energy, because I said, when you come home, aren't you tired? And he says, no, I've got more energy when I come home than when I left, and I can't wait to go on that next trip. He says, I don't want to miss any that I don't have to. There is work there that has a special place in my heart. Maybe you're somebody, one of those busy Allen families that says, I'm too busy, I don't have time. How am I supposed to fit in serving others? Well, start small. Don't make an ongoing commitment. Sign up for one of those one-time service projects. We have an opportunity later this month to help build a wheelchair ramp for Habitat for Humanity or go serve and feed at the Austin Street Shelter to feed the homeless. Mother Teresa, that great saint of the 20th century, said, if I hadn't picked up that first one, I wouldn't have picked up the 42,000. You start small, and one step leads to another. Another way to get started in serving others is to do things that you already enjoy doing and find new ways to use those passions and skills and gifts to bless other people. For example, if you enjoy baking and cooking, well then you can use your gifts of baking and cooking and take meals to people who are hungry and homeless or to members in our church that are recovering from an illness. If you enjoy knitting or crocheting, you can make a prayer shawl to bless someone who is in the hospital. And if you enjoy being around children, then go volunteer over at Boyd Elementary where they're looking for mentors and people to help children who are learning to read. 
Or maybe you say, ah, I don't really feel like I have anything special to contribute, no special skills here, or I'm getting a little bit older and I can't always do all that physical labor that I used to. And to you I say, don't overlook the power of random acts of kindness. And don't overlook the gift of your wisdom and experience. Just by sharing and teaching others the difference you can make. Mother Teresa also said this. She said that we ourselves feel that what we are doing is just a drop in the ocean. But the ocean would be less because of that missing drop. Yes, sometimes the need and the task can feel overwhelming, but even that one small gesture makes a difference. So what does serving others look like? How do we put faith and love into action? I've already given you some ideas, but here's a few more things to consider. We begin with humility, Jesus says. We be open to God. We pray. We ask for God to direct us to those people and places where we can help. God, reveal to me the person I'm meant to bless today. And remain open to truly giving yourself to the best of your ability. When you show up at a service site or wanting to help someone in need, remember to listen before you serve. Don't assume that you know what's going on or that you know what they need or how to do it best. Allow those that you want to help to speak up and have a voice. Work with them to meet their goals and put the needs of others ahead of your own. Kindness. A smile, a hug, sharing our toys, holding a door open, being a good sportsman at a football game, a phone call, a prayer, including those who are left out in a group at lunch or on the playground. These two make a difference in our ways that we show our love for God and others. We share our time, our talents, our gifts, and our resources. You can donate food or other goods and clothing to those in need. You might make blessing bags to pack, pass out to the homeless on the streets or volunteer at your child's school or in the community, or go on a mission trip, or rake a senior neighbor's yard, or read a book, or hold a baby. And seek justice. Work with others to change systems and institutions of injustice and oppression by writing to your government officials, fighting for more just laws, promoting awareness and education around those social issues that you're passionate about, and of course, just using your vote. One person who does this well and who I really admire is Jim Wilson. He's a friend of mine that attends Christ United Methodist Church. For many years, Jim and his family have sponsored multiple children through Compassion International, providing food and clothing and education for them. Jim constantly uses Facebook as his um, outlet for advocating for justice issues. And last year, when the crisis at the border really erupted, he put several thousands of his own dollars in with GoFundMe funds from friends, and he went directly to McAllen, spent several weeks of his own time, and he met with people there and not only prayed with them and shared God's love with them, but he gave them tangible things, food, clothes, toiletries, deodorant, diapers, phone cards, things they really needed to be able to make a new life here in the United States. You see, Jesus says that we are to love God and to love our neighbor as ourselves. He says that others will know we are Christians by our love. And he also says that those who are last and lost and least shall be first in the kingdom of heaven. And so it is that we are called as disciples to love God and serve others. 
And in so doing, we will find faith and salvation. We do not earn it because of our good works, but we show our love for God in the way we love others. In just a few moments, we're going to come to this communion table. And at the beginning of that liturgy, we have a prayer of confession that we say together. And I urge you today to honestly reflect and repent on maybe those times like me where you have failed to look the homeless man in the eye, or when you have ignored or passed by someone in need when it was in your power to help. That is what this prayer of confession is all about. We all have lots of missed opportunities, but we're all on the path to doing better next time. And so it is that Jesus welcomes us to his table in the same way he invited Judas the betrayer to his table. And we share in that bread and juice, and we are reminded of the great sacrifice of God's great and costly love for us, a love that God poured out and enacted through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and made tangible to us while we were yet poor and sinful and undeserving. And as we do so, we can give thanks for God's amazing love. And just as serving others is a means of grace, so too is participating in this sacrament, where we come and we experience the grace of God at work in our lives, reconciling us with God and with each other, forming us into a new community, into the body of Christ. And so I invite you, Come forward with joyful thanksgiving, with gratitude for all that God has already done in your life and ready to let that overflow, to commit to growing in discipleship, to putting your faith in action and serving others in the name of Jesus Christ. Remember, love isn't love until you give it away.